1: Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM
2: 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Kind of a cloudy day, a little sunshine at times, a bit windy, 46 for the high. Sky's clearing up tonight, low 32. Tomorrow sunny for a while. May get some clouds later in the day and a high of 43. Big win last night for the Sixers, 137-133 over Brooklyn. Tyrese Maxey off the bench with 27 points to lead the Sixers. Joel Embiid, 26 points, 10 rebounds. James Harden, 23 points leading the way. uh, Our home Saturday afternoon at 3 against Denver, as far as their next game goes. The Flyers play tonight at Minnesota at 8. And in our pre-born partnership, most recent number we have is 183 ultrasounds, which is a good uh, a good number to have. We're trying to get to 500 by this coming Tuesday. So if you want to help keep moving things forward, the number is 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or at WFIL.com. January is Sanctity of Human Life Month. We team up with Preborn born every uh, year. Uh, during January to help provide these ultrasounds for pregnant girls and women who might otherwise choose to end their pregnancy. Just the opportunity to see their baby and hear their baby's heartbeat has proven to be a very uh, effective and powerful and also gentle, which I think is an important component to this way of promoting life, certainly for the baby. And then on top of that, for the mom and for the dad and those surrounding uh, each ultrasound, $28. So if you could do a couple for 56, maybe five for 140 or 10 for two eighty. whatever it is, we greatly appreciate that. And if, you know, you give today and help today, it spurs things along even further because folks listening in checking the number on our homepage say, Oh, it's getting closer. All right, I'm in, I'll help it happen. You know, you want to, my dad used to say, uh, nobody wants to get on board a train. That's not moving. It's the concept of uh, you feel like, okay, this is happening. All right, count me in for one. Count me in for five. I'm in. If you think it's not possible, then you may uh, turn away. Similarly, if you think something's already going to happen and you don't need to be involved, you're like, oh, well, then, then I don't need to be involved. But I can tell you all that said, you're needed. The train is moving and it will accelerate if you take what I'm saying to heart directly for you and say, okay, I'll do one. I'll do two. I'll do five. Maybe someone can step up and do 20 for $560, for example, or even more. We're at 183, so we have 317 to go by this coming Tuesday. And I hope to have another update for you, maybe even during the show. But one step at a time. 833 850 baby's the number, 833 850 2229. Or click the preborn banner on our homepage at WFIL.com. We post an update numbers wise generally once a day. If we get more info from Preborn, we can post more often than that. So just to give you the heads up on that, thank you again to all who have helped so far and those who yet will. Uh, by the way, also this coming weekend, we're looking forward to the Eagles and their playoff game Sunday afternoon at 3, taking on San Francisco. Victoria, will you be watching that with your dad? or what, what, How will you I'm take the game I'm not sure at?
3: yet. I might be with friends. There's a, a party this weekend. I don't really know what I'm doing but, yet for it.
2: You have time. It's only, what, Thursday? So.
3: Yeah, a couple more days, and it, it's Sunday at 3.
2: Yeah, it'll be good. So I don't know yet. Well, Jalen Hurts uh, certainly will have a lot to do with the success or lack there of the – uh, Eagles. He certainly prepares a lot. Head coach Nick Sirianni has talked about that. We had a soundbite yesterday where he talked about that, and Hurts uh, himself was talking about what it's like to face the 49ers.
4: I mean, they, they're they're really good all across the board, you know. And I think starts off with their front seven, and and then having a really good defensive back group. They fly to the ball. They're disruptive at every position. They're, they're well coached. They're well coached. So. We have a task in front of us. We have a really good challenge, really big challenge in front of us. And as always, we just want to go out there and and execute, you know, try and be efficient. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, someone who knows a little something about the Super
2: Bowl, Brandon Graham with that big uh, sack of, of, uh, I guess it was a strip sack of Tom Brady in Super Bowl five years ago. Talked about what it's like to get ready because, of course, if the Eagles win this Sunday against San Francisco, they'll be back in the Super Bowl.
4: Treat it like a regular week. Like you stay consistent on your regimen and what you do. We know us. We know what's out there. I mean, we know we we one game away, but it's no pressure. It should be, man. Let me. We we have been working our butt off for this moment. All we got to do is stay consistent with what we've been doing. And you know, my regimen is to wake up in the morning and be here by like seven. 7.30, you know, make sure I'll get in the steam room, sauna, you know, same things. Keep it the same. And then make sure that you, when you out there playing, making sure, I mean, uh, out there practicing, making sure that you paying attention to the details that you did last week. And it's just, it's just a focus that you got to have uh, on what you got to do because our game plan has to be carried out on Sunday but we got to make sure that we work on it during the week and you know uh, and I know for me I want to make sure that uh, I know everything coach is trying to do this week and make sure that I'm in the best position possible to make plays when they come my way and so uh, I just tell the guys just stay focused on your details on what, what it is that got us to this point and don't don't let those little details slip because of the moment and don't get caught up in the hype just make sure that you, you ready for when, that, when your play come then all the hype will be after the game after you win the game so just make sure that you uh, take care of business this week enjoy your role and uh, make sure we keep sharpening each other
2: that's brandon graham of the eagles again they play sunday afternoon at three against san francisco at home and then uh, kansas city takes on uh, cincinnati after that and then the winner of each of those games plays in the super bowl a couple sundays from then in the meantime we have a pretty cool show lined up Uh, batting in the uh, first position, if you want to call it that. Greg Klugstein going to join us. He is Salem Radio Network's News White House correspondent. You'll hear his voice uh, tucked away in the first couple of minutes of the show every now and again. Not every show is he in the newscast, but he's been uh, with Salem for a lot of years. And you'll hear him between 4 and 4.02 during our news update before the program starts. you also hear him on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer, conservative news talk, in the reports there, and so you know, I'm hearing him. And I'm thinking about how he does his job, and it seems like he's very professional and buttoned down, buttoned up down, whatever you call that, and polished and presents in a good way. And so I thought, let's have him on the show. We reached out and found out he'd be glad to do that. So he'll be joining us shortly, and then we're going to cap our program off with Lee Lotoff and Peter Lurie. Uh, Lee Lotoff is the original '80s MacGyver TV series creator, and uh, he they, there's a musical out. Peter Lurie. I don't know if you ever saw the Magic School Bus show, Victoria. Depending on when you, you know, grown up and absolutely, the, yeah, I was born in nineteen ninety four. It right. was on running, yeah. Well, when so I was a little, little tiny, tiny tot. T- <laughs> All right. Well, Peter Lurie wrote the theme song for Magic School Bus, and he has teamed up with Liz Lotoff, again, the MacGyver creator of that whole TV series, for a musical that was out last year, and now the soundtrack to that is coming out uh, tomorrow. So, we'll be talking with Lee and Peter as well. And if we can dig up some, um, as they say, MacGyver music or maybe some school bus music, we'll throw that in for fun for a little accent to our show. That and whatever else, we can jam in the program all happening today on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app.
1: Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues.
2: It's uh, 413 on the Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL in Philadelphia. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Even that last commercial break there, my mind's racing through all the things going on. Eric, the travel guy, talking about that ready-set Barbados trip. Uh, you can find out more about that at WFIL.com, where you could win uh, that whole... I mean, it's it's really cool. Uh, you have seven days, six nights, uh, and a $500 a gift card. Part of that, you enter through WFIL's mobile app, which you can download free for Android or iPhone at WFIL.com. Just look for the Barbados sweepstakes and enter. You can do that right through the end of the month, which is this coming Tuesday, to increase your opportunity to win. And also when you're on our site, uh, you can uh, – other contests too, the Healthy You Healthy Family Sweepstakes, which is valued at $5,000 as far as the grand prize goes. Our ministry of the month with straight from the heart. And that's just a smattering of what's available. So get to uh, WFIL.com and uh, make it maybe a little bit part of your day, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Tool around, enter a couple of contests, some of those things you can enter every day and uh, increase your opportunity to win. That all said, we're glad to bring on board now Salem Radio News. Uh, Network News White House correspondent, and you'll hear him in the updates at the top of our show, four to four oh two, most of the time, and uh, other times, and also on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM nine ninety, The Answer, uh, where you can get updates on there too. Chris DeGall hosts mornings there each weekday. Does a great job there too. Greg Clugston, Greg, how you doing? Hey there.
3: Very good. Great to be with you here in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. Are you Are you a sports fan by chance?
3: I am, yes.
2: Uh, what sport do you like, or sports? Do you ever... <laughs>
3: um, f- football, pro football is probably the one I, I follow the most uh, most regularly, along with Major League Baseball.
2: Okay, so on the baseball side, if we use a baseball comparison, you're often in the lead-off spot with this show, because we have SRN News from 4 to 4.02, and then uh, we go on with the program from there. So today you're batting kind of in the heart of the lineup, uh, <laughs> giving listeners a a better idea who this Greg Clugston character is and the work you do. So uh, share a little bit about the day in the life of Greg Clugston, what you do with SRN News and and at the White House.
3: Sure. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to do that. I've been with uh, SRN News and the Salem Radio Network for uh, 26 years now. Um, And it's hard to believe I started off reporting uh, from Capitol Hill for SRN, but that was only for just a very few months. And there was an opening at the White House, and so I was asked to just go and cover the seat and, uh, and, and the beat at the White House for one month until they, they hired somebody else. So I was just a temporary fit there for 30 days, or so I thought. And uh, 26 years later, I'm still reporting from the White House, and so I'm, I'm now into, into my 27th year of a 30-day temporary assignment at the White House.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. That's did and did it go from one month to hey, can you uh, stay another month? We're still looking. And then how did it become when did it become permanent for you, so to speak?
3: Yeah, there, there wasn't much more of a conversation after the uh, after August of '96 came and went, and uh, they, they didn't end up hiring anybody else for that job. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they, they were happy with my work and, and, and continue to be. So it's been it's been a very interesting assignment. I have to say it's. Uh, no matter whether it's a Republican president or a Democratic president, uh, the cover of now five administrations, starting with the second term of Bill Clinton all the way through Joe Biden. Um, there have been, as you as you can think about over the last quarter century, uh, some some major, major stories uh, in and in around Washington and affecting the United States. And so it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure to be sort of on those front lines and, and to be able to report important stories uh that people across the country are eager to uh, to find out about.
2: It's really interesting. Uh, the timing of this is is also interesting. August of ninety six, I got married, and at that time, our sister station nine ninety WZZD, which was a Christian music station, but now is conservative news talk. Philadelphia's AM nine ninety, The Answer with Chris Taggall, doing the mornings there. Uh, I was I was. I was doing afternoons, and they were looking for a morning guy, and they said, could you do mornings for a little while till we find a morning guy? And I said, well, listen, I don't want to lose my afternoon audience, so I'll do a split shift if you don't mind. And just like you, after about a month, they're like, you know what? We're going to bring in someone to do afternoons. You keep doing mornings. It's really funny. <laughs> At the same time, you're going through that, too. It's interesting. Yeah. How that works yeah, out. Yeah.
3: Some, some... Some real parallels there. Right. For sure. So in terms of of the actual work, I I file my news stories that you hear on the radio uh, from a small radio booth in the lower level of the press briefing workspace at the White House, just behind and downstairs from the briefing room that you often see on C-SPAN and and on cable news. Um, And so I've been able to uh, to have uh, that as as my location of work, um, you know, almost every day for for all of these years, and so you, essentially, my schedule, just like any reporter at the White House, our schedules are, are very much based on what the White House and what the president's schedule is for that day. Whether he's in town and has speeches and maybe a news conference or the daily press briefing, or whether he's traveling uh, and there's activities going on outside of Washington. So. Uh, that's the epicenter for for covering the administration, and it's uh, it's been a real privilege to do that.
2: Do you spend a good chunk of time there? That's your home base, and you may or may not move around uh, out in the, out and about in the street, so to speak, or is it almost that's your office, so to speak?
3: Yeah, I mean, it does serve as an office. It's i it, it's a it's a small space, but the radio uh, the radio networks uh, who have uh, allocated space there, including SRN, it's a small. Enclosed radio booth with the doors. We can close the door and have a little bit of quiet and soundproofing for Mm. uh, recording and doing live work. Uh, But it it does serve as as an office home base right in the heart of Washington D.C. So there are times when I get dispatched to uh, to go out and cover other events around Washington. Uh, most of the time, however, it's, it centers around either the White House specifically or the administration.
2: Folks, just tuning in, we're chat with Greg Clugston, S. R. N. News uh, White House correspondent, who you'll hear in the updates at the top of the hour during this show. You'll also hear him on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM nine ninety, The Answer. During some of the reports there, was uh, media and politics and all that sort of thing. Something and journalism on your radar? Let's say when you were a teenager and moving forward, or is it how when did that become a, a thing for you?
3: yeah media absolutely i I knew in eighth grade I wanted to do radio work and uh I was cast in a in a drama at school that was based on, about a a murder that took place at a radio station Wow and uh, I was cast as the as the dj the announcer in this little one act play and uh, we actually had working props on stage a, a microphone and a headphone and a, an old turntable. And uh, it was a lot of fun to play with uh, that equipment. And I went home and I I started uh, using some paper route money to buy some tape recorders and microphones and headphones of my own. And uh, I just had a love of broadcasting uh, from that day forward. And it was really during my college years as I was pursuing a degree in, in broadcast communications that I, I got bit sort of by the journalism bug as well. And I thought that j- broadcast journalism was a great combination for my interests and for my skill level.
2: Yeah, I love that. That's great. What, what's important to you? Speaking of it's with your craft, uh, and maybe this has changed over the years, but what's important to you, how you approach doing what you do, and actually, how do you actually accomplish those things? Sure.
3: Well, for me, integrity is very important, not just how I deal with. Uh, the news generally, but how I deal with people, whether they're my coworkers in the SRN newsroom, whether they're my co-workers in the White House press briefing room, talking to administration officials or anybody that I come across, you know, in my daily life. And so um, I, I really strive to be a person of integrity. And I do think that carries over, um, you know, in a very positive way as a journalist. Um, my, my role um, as a news person is to report and broadcast Basic information and details of a story, and i and I leave the opinions to the talk show hosts. Mm. That doesn't mean that I don't have my own personal ideas or or opinions, but um, and and as as for someone who is filing network news stories that might be only twenty five or thirty seconds long, you don't have much room to uh, to fit in an opinion anyway if you're just <laughs> trying to get the basics of a story there. Yeah. And it's important to provide some context when you can, even in those short stories. But um, I, I strive my best to uh, to just keep it, um, you know, as, as bare bones as possible in terms of the facts and, and what it might mean. And I want to leave it up to the listener whether they think that's a good thing, a positive thing, or something that uh, they should be concerned about.
2: Yeah, that's great because I, I actually had a related question about how you view yourself – with regard to the work, and you've you've already answered that, I'm like more like a window into what's going on, and you're just trying to give a clear picture so people can then make of it what they will, versus having some kind of an angle on it. Do you get opportunities in other forms, whether it's writing or other ways, to expound a bit more on what you're seeing and how you personally view things? I haven't
3: had uh, I haven't pursued those those avenues very much. I'm I, I'm one to. Uh, I, I'm interested in politics. I have found it interesting to, to follow the uh, the ups and downs and the ins and outs of, of, of national politics as, as frustrating as that can be sometimes when there's inaction or, or what have you. But um, I have often described myself as being somewhat dispassionate about the political process, even though I have an interest in it. And I think it helps me do my job better by not getting uh, wrapped up and expressing strong feelings or opinions about either the subject matter or the people involved. I I, I just don't tend to get exercised about politics, even though there there certainly are very uh, important issues uh, that are are facing our country. Um, But I think it helps me do a better job not to get overly involved uh, emotionally in the subjects I'm covering. And, uh, so I try to rein that in, in terms of, uh, you know, just being a, a straightforward news deliverer.
4: Sure.
2: Well, uh, you're just tuning in Greg Clugston's our guest today on the Tim DeMoss show, WFIL Philadelphia. He is SRN, our parent company, Salem Radio Network. News White House correspondent. To that end, what do you view as important? Uh, you talked about integrity, but then just for you to have like this is how I want to go to work, and this is how I want to be as I do my work. Uh, because there's certain things you have to make sure, probably like you're not too timid, but you're not over aggressive. And as you talked about how you relate to other people, so you get the information you need without without going overboard or underboard, if that's a word, so to speak. Uh, what what are there, are there a couple other characteristics in your head about to do my job well? I need to do this.
3: Well, you need to be pretty even tempered, I think. at least that's been my my approach. Uh, look, when you're talking to officials uh, for example, in um, in a White House administration, uh, they they will know who the, who the companies, who the news outlet you work for, generally speaking. So if they're dealing with a Fox News versus a CNN versus a Washington Times versus a Washington Post, uh they may uh, officials or spokespeople may have in their head an idea of what kind of organization or or what kind of treatment that news outlet or that reporter might give to a certain subject. Yeah. Um, and so there's sort of that built-in bias, and sometimes those catar- you know, classifications or catar- categorizations can be correct, uh, but they can also be skewed sometimes. And so in our case, obviously, uh, our primary audience across the U.S. through SRN, conservative and uh, political talk stations, as well as Christian and teaching Radio formats, and so um, you know, somebody will maybe wonder exactly what uh, bias we might have in, in terms of dealing. And certainly, while the company or political talk show hosts or opinion makers within the Salem Media Company might certainly have ideas, as a news person, I need to express um, you know in, in a way that's um, you know uh, genuine and winsome with these officials to say I'm just I'm just here to try to get the basic information. And we'll let the other opinion makers um, comment as they will.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. And I think you do a very good job of it. And um, when I listen to the news from 4 to 4.02 heading into the program each day, the information presented in there really does feel that way. It doesn't feel like it's uh, all kind of one kind of information just in a, an even tone, They because that's another way you could try and do it is to have some kind of an opinion where you only kind of talking about one part of the story, but you could sound calm about it. But it actually feels like just information is being reported. And again, then let listeners uh, make of it what they will. So I bet that's a tricky line to walk.
3: It sometimes is. Absolutely. And at the same time, we at SRN, just like any other news outlet, we need to understand who our audience is, though, and serve that audience. And the way we do that is not necessarily through um, well, it's not through um, providing any sort of angle or bias in the news delivery, but it's often in in the story selection. Yeah. And so we might focus on stories or or, or developments um, that are of special interest to our listening audience that may not be uh, as important to the audience to an all-business station or some other format. Right. So at the same time, we understand our audience, but we want to provide them with, with information that they can use.
2: Greg Clugston, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL in Philadelphia. Greg has uh, heard during our news updates right before the show starts, also on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer. He is uh, SRN, Salem Radio Network's News White House correspondent. Piggybacking off that question there a little bit, Proverbs twenty two eleven talks about how uh, he whose speech is gracious will have the king for a friend. And I'm thinking about, you know, you're working in the White House. There are opportunities for you to see and hear things that most of us will never see. And so uh, you have to kind of sort through, perhaps, and I'll put it all together, how are you going to report what you see and hear? What do you report? What do you leave out? Or how that all works? And, of course, your job is different than someone from The Washington Times or whatever. So how, how do you process all that?
3: Right. Well, uh, and that's and that's the daily challenge uh, for any reporter is, you know, sometimes we have more information uh, than is allowed in like the time slot that we have. And we have to uh, do just the, the the very most important or what we, we've determined. And we work with our editors on that uh, to focus on, on, the, on the key elements of, of the story. And in our case, when we do hourly newscasts around the clock at SRN News, we um, the stories can change from one hour to the next, or you one hour. I can I, I can focus a report on on one or two aspects of a story, and then I can follow up the next hour or two hours later with uh, other angles and other perspectives of that same story. Uh, if it's a, if it's a large enough story, so uh, it, it's an ever evolving sort of a process. of of watching stories. And then, uh, for example, if you just take a story that's in Washington, D.C., talked about right now quite a bit and is going to be for the next several weeks, if not the next several months, is this uh, idea of Congress voting to raise the debt ceiling. There are many layers to that story, and you can't can't, uh, fully develop every layer in a 30-second radio news story. But over the course of the next few weeks and months, uh, it's going to take a lot of turns, and, and there will be new developments and new and new comments made by the White House, by the Congress, uh, and, and other parties as well. So uh, you just you just kind of track along all of the various details on a story like that.
2: Yeah. Uh, and as you're talking there, there, a couple of scriptures came to mind. First Corinthians 13, which folks know, a lot of folks, even the casual person who doesn't read the Bible much would know about the, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind. Near the back end of that, it says it always protects. And that's where part of me thinks, uh, not that you're hiding information, but when you're, again, in a situation where you're like, who needs to know what? This is the information I should present. This information, maybe I'll be gracious in this case and not necessarily throw something out that makes someone look bad. Or in Ephesians 4, where it talks about uh, what you talk about, help build other people up, that it may benefit those who listen. So not that everything has to be positive and happy, but that you're trying to think about, in the end, whatever I report... It's hopefully going to have a constructive end to it. Uh, hopefully, help the people who are listening. If that makes sense.
3: Sure. And then, just sort of to like to your broader question of how you know you I carry myself, or how anybody carries themselves about. And, in the work that they do. Uh, when it comes to politics these days, I don't need to tell you or, or your listeners um, <laughs> that it's, it's very explosive at times these days. Um, I mean, it probably always has been to a certain degree, but in the last number of years, it has become so divisive. And um, I do believe there's biblical instruction for us to be gentle in our conversations. Proverbs talks about a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. So being gentle means being kind and understanding and even tempered. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak or that it doesn't mean you avoid the truth or abandoning, um, you know, sincerely held principles. But gentleness is uh, something that can go a long way to uh, having a positive effect in what can be sometimes negative conversations.
2: Yeah, there's another proverb, I what the reference is, but it says a gentle tongue can break a bone. Uh, And Mm. and so that's a you're right on spot on with that. Uh, I know I'm sure you got plenty of news to be following right now. I don't take up too much more of your time, but just a couple of the questions one had to do with what you were saying there about the news cycle, if there's one one reason why I'm glad I don't do what you do, it's because I think I'd always feel like I'm afraid I'm missing something, go to sleep, and six things have changed since you last thought about it. Uh, are, are you the kind of person who's never really off-duty mentally, or do you can you give yourself a little break and re-enter quickly so you can get up to speed on stuff?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I, it is the kind of job that, if, if there's a breaking White House story in particular, in my case, that happens after hours on the weekend, late at night, what have you. Uh, it's important to uh, you know for me to lo- log into my laptop, find a microphone, and, uh, and and record whatever the latest development might be. So there is a little bit of that to this job. There's no question about that. Um, I think as I uh, have have put a lot of years in and uh, have gone through uh, you know a lot of these news cycles, um, you, you do understand that uh, whether you take a, a weekend off or you or you take a vacation with your family. Uh, You just have to understand that news is always going to continue happening. And um, I've learned over the years that you just have to take those breaks for your own mental sanity sometimes.
2: Yeah, makes total sense. How about something that you've learned specifically because you've worked in the environment that you do with the White House and everything associated with that? I know, for example, you've flown on uh, Air Force One. What have you learned about perhaps journalism in that context?
3: Sure. No, that's that's been a a fabulous experience and a a great opportunity. And I'm grateful for uh, being in a position to to represent. And so what happens is when we fly and I've I've maybe a couple of dozen uh, different trips on on Air Force One over the years and and how that works is uh, in the case of of radio networks, we are in a rotation. And so uh, there is a small press pool of uh, reporters that are always traveling closely to the president whether it's here in Washington or traveling anywhere, and, um, they, and and all of the news outlets take turns. So if you're uh, in, the, in the radio pool, which we are, that means every certain number of days, it's your turn to be the one radio network that is representing all the other radio networks, ABC, CBS, Fox News, NPR, all down the list. Wow. And we take, our, we take our turns doing that. And so when you are the radio pooler for that day, whether it's on Air Force One or just here in town doing whatever the event may be, you, you are the radio network's eyes and ears in the room or at the event. And then you share that audio, you share any colored information, uh, you know, details of a story, um, and, you, and you provide that to the, all the other networks. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it, that's why we call it pooling our resources and the TV networks do the same thing, and the uh, the, the radio I'm, I'm sorry the radio and then the network uh, news wires and newspapers do the same thing as well. So it's a concerted effort, and uh, it's just been a privilege for SRN to be in that mix uh, there at the White House, and that has uh, provided some some interesting opportunities along the way.
2: It's really it's really interesting, and it, and it speaks to the the notion of professionalism. Uh Proverbs comes back into play again. I'm not sure that I at- said this one earlier, but Proverbs 22:29 says, "Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand" before Kings. And when I think about the fact that the, I don't call it pressure, but probably uh, that you would feel traveling Air Force One and you're responsible for giving good content back to all those networks you mentioned, you know, that doesn't just happen out of the gate. You've got to learn and grow into that and gain the respect of everyone. And yeah, uh, Greg is a reliable guy. He'll get us what we need and we can trust him, Uh, that sort of thing. I I don't know if you have some thoughts on on that and just the the weight or the importance of being a professional and doing what you're doing.
3: No, sure. You're right. When I when I would do that for the very first time, uh, it was it was intimidating knowing that my emails were being read by reporters, if not executives. At the other uh, much larger radio networks, to be honest, yeah. and uh, and so no matter what they they knew of or thought of SRN, for example, they they were just seeing the work that I was providing, um, and 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 that's where I was talking about you know the integrity and as you mentioned the professionalism that you uh, you hope to bring to a job like that, and uh, so uh, yeah, it does get easier over time, but uh, you're still very mindful that when you are that one person and you're the uh, you're the only one that's able to provide the, either the audio or the details of the story because you're the one that's there on the scene. Yeah. Uh, then you you want to make sure you get it right the best what, you can.
2: Was there a time you can remember where you felt like you had, uh, quote-unquote, earned your White House stripes, where you knew, like, all right, I fit in. I belong. I, I'm now legit, <laughs> even though you had the press <laughs> pass where you feel like I'm really I, – I belong here, so to speak. Well, I,
3: I, I guess just with the, with the number of, of, of years that I've been there uh, – there, there is some sort of a comfort level. You, you, you see some of the same news cycles repeat themselves with different presidents and different administrations, and so a comfort level in, in the sense that you, you understand um, maybe what's, uh, what's maybe more a symbolic uh, part of the, of, of the, of the presidency and, and what's more you know newsmaking and policy worthy that, that kind of distinction that you can make. Uh, but what's, what, what, what's interesting is one thing that I have done. Is I have written a Christmas poem every year for our Christmas party in the press briefing room, hmm. and it started it started in 1998 and was meant to be a one-time-only event, and um, and I and I simply just captured some of the White House stories of that year in a poem that was loosely based on Twas the Night Before Christmas, kind of a tongue-in-cheek. Um, and it was uh, completely in-house, you know, meant for the reporters right there in, in that workspace. Yeah. Well, it, it has turned into a 22- or 23-year-long tradition where I do this every single year. And I have people throughout the year, reporters, photographers, other uh, members of the news media, uh, asking me throughout the year, Um, you know, how's how's it coming and working on your poem or this event here, I bet it's going to be in this year's poem. So it's kind of a fun recognition that's uh, sort of a part of the job, but not a major part of the job. And uh, it's nice to get
2: that recognition. That's a neat story. That's great. Greg Cluxton, SRN News White House correspondent on the Tim DeMoss Show today on WFIL in Philadelphia. You can hear him in the news reports right before our show starts on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990. The answer, is there a best way for folks to keep up with the work that you're doing?
3: Listeners uh, can log on to srnnews.com. Uh, we have a collection of the various news stories that we're reporting, including all of the audio uh, files um, and f- audio stories that I'm filing along with uh, other of my colleagues at SRN News. So you can click on our, on our names and then listen to uh, an archive of stories if you missed them in the top of the hour newscasts.
2: That's great. Uh, Greg, it's really great to talk to you and here. Just get some perspective on all these different things. And hopefully we can have you on again sometime during the year.
3: Well, I sure enjoyed it. Thanks very much.
2: For sure. It's, again, Greg Cluxton, SRN News, White House correspondent, SRN Salem Radio Network. That's our parent company, one of their many endeavors. Uh, we have a quick break to take, and so it's it's cool to have a chance to get to know him a bit better than more than just a little bit at the beginning of each hour on our station here, before the show happens here. Uh, quick break, and then we're looking forward to bringing on board two guests. Lise Lotoff, who's the original 80s MacGyver TV series creator, and Peter Lurie, who's a composer, songwriter, lyricist, known for many, many uh, shows and theme songs, including Magic School Bus, which uh, I grew up on, uh, well, Our kids did, I should say, I, as we raised them, and Victoria's mentioning she did. We'll, uh, we'll hear from both of them, because they have teamed up for MacGyver Musical, which came out last year, and now the soundtrack that is coming out tomorrow. We'll catch up with them in just a moment here on the Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL.
1: Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL. Email timmyd at wfil.com. Come
4: on in and don't
5: be shy. Come on. Just to make your day complete. You might get baked into a pile on the Magic School Bus. let inside.
4: It's a
2: wild garage. Come on. ride right on the Magic School Oh, yeah. Peter Lurie, who did that, uh, saw the Magic School Bus, and uh, he's teamed up with Lee Zlotoff, the original '80s MacGyver TV series creator, for the musical version and soundtrack to MacGyver. The soundtrack that both join us on the program today. Uh, how you guys? How you guys doing today?
5: Good, hey. Tim. How are
2: you? Excellent. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat today.
5: Not at all. If Pleasure you, to be here.
2: Yeah. If you, if you could, maybe a little quick backstory uh, about the musical itself and then you know, go on to the soundtrack from there. How it came about? What led to creating it in the first place?
5: Sure. So it turns out, Tim, that MacGyver was one of those TV shows that the whole family would watch together. You know, usually TV divided the family. Dad liked sports and mom liked the dramas and the soap operas and the kids would watch the cartoons and the comedies. But MacGyver, dad, said, hey, I want to see what he's going to come up with this week. And mom said, boy, he's awfully cute and he doesn't use a gun. And the (laughs) kids went, wait, you're going to watch this show together and we can watch it with you? And Over the years, I have met so many people who, when they know I have something to do with MacGyver, they go back to that memory instantaneously, and you can see the pleasure on their face. And so I wanted to create one MacGyver project that the family or the community could experience together, as opposed to sitting in a room by yourself watching on a screen. And so that was the genesis of the musical. And then a dear friend of mine who unfortunately has passed said, if you're going to do MacGyver as a musical, why not have? the lead of the show be cast out of the audience in every performance. And I said, you're out of your mind. She said, no, no, I think it can work. And God bless her, she was right. So in every performance, we cast the star role of MacGyver out of the audience, and you would think this is a recipe for disaster, and it turns out it's a recipe for genius.
2: Wow. I and mean, I read that and I thought, how in the world does that work? So maybe you don't have to take time if you want to tell about that now, but that sounds very like, what are we doing tonight? Is it, is it going to work tonight? Did you find how, how did that go? Overall, it was not a, not an issue. It sounds like at all.
5: It, it, it not only turned out not to be an issue as Peter likes to say, and I'll let him pick it up in a second. The audience realizes that, that they're on stage now with the performers. And so it, breaks the wall between the audience and the performers. And yes, we have lots of clever tricks and techniques to make this work. Yeah. It's not like the audience member is just dropped there and left by to their own devices. Right. You know? Right. But but it changes the entire theatrical experience because all of a sudden, instead of sitting back and saying, well, entertain me, you're sitting forward and going, how is this going to work?
6: Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah, Peter, what were you what would you add to that?
5: okay
6: what i would add is that when i first when lee first i was first introduced to lee and he talked about this idea and i thought it was pretty nutty but i took a stab at writing (laughs) the song that became that the music for which is is still preserved in the opening song on the album yeah but uh, a lot of things have changed i thought okay audience member let's let's find ways to embarrass this person as much as possible (laughs) i think there was a line about this person perform performing multiple transplants on themselves uh, in the bridge um in the original and and lee liked the lee liked the music and he liked the basic vibe but he was like no no we're not making fun of this person we are celebrating we're uplifting this person yeah. this this audience member um and the key the key thing that changed everything is the idea that we are not making fun of the audience member we are having maximum fun with the audience member and the concept and we're not making fun of macgyver that's that other m word show yeah, um yeah. we are having we are having fun with the concept of macgyver and so what happened is when you shift that attitude the audience sees the audience sees this person on stage who was chosen from their ranks and they become that person so that 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 audience member's trip through the show becomes the audience's trip through the show and that was that was i have to say in all the months of anticipating how's this going to go over it never occurred to me that that's what the response was going to be and so hmm. so hmm. it was really fascinating that in fact when uh macgyver is on stage for most of the show and, and the the few times they're not it's almost like the audience isn't on stage anymore so so the, the the thing that one of the things that made creating this this crazy show different was how do we keep this person on stage and yet allow for a full fully cast fully in, uh, involved and evolved book musical
2: was the sound sen- my... was the soundtrack um, can all along in, in the back of your mind a like natural extension or obviously that's a, and the cast members are on there and all that so speak to the the, the album itself of course
5: so uh, that no that kind of grew out organically uh, uh, we were doing as Peter said we, we had a uh, workshop production in Telluride Colorado literally just before the pandemic shut everything down. And then we did the world premiere this past year, 2022, uh in February and March in Houston, Texas. And when that show was up and running, I started getting calls from producers saying, hey, I hear about your show. I'd like to produce a concept album. And I said, wow, that's great. What's a concept album? <laughs> and so they explained to me that you can actually record an album of all the music that you have, even before the show has you know, gone to big cities or other big cities or is widely known. And they said you can help publicize your show and maybe make some money to get you to the next you know, stage of the development. So we knew the music was rock solid, no pun intended. Yeah, and yeah. so we said, let's go ahead and try and record an album of the of the songs. And so that's how the album came about. And we pretty much spent the last, I guess, uh, seven eight months preparing this album for release, and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there.
2: Yeah, you know, and when I think, I guess, is it first track is the MacGyver theme song, but this time it has words, which seems like an opportunity that's been brewing for a long time to be able to put, you know. The story in the song, so to speak.
5: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we don't CBS and Paramount own the typical MacGyver theme song that went with the original television series. Uh, So we couldn't use that because it's theirs. It's not ours. So we wrote our own theme song. And and now it's you know, it's because it's a musical. It's got words. And Peter wrote all the music and all the words. Bless his heart. Wow. I told
2: my kids that uh, we were going to be chatting today because our kids grew up on Magic School Bus with the Frizz, which, you know, of course, Peter wrote that and many other things. And MacGyver, to your point, I watched when I was a young guy, and my kids have all watched it there in their late teens and early 20s. And and it it applies generation later. So it must be gratifying for you to see that this continues on and all the different iterations of MacGyver. Uh,
5: I got to admit, you know, the fact that MacGyver – started in 1985 and has basically been playing around the world for the last 36-plus years. And then they did a reboot of it, and it's now a verb in the dictionary to MacGyver (laughs) something. You know, if you had asked me when I created this show, if I thought any of this would happen, I would have told you you were out of your mind. So it's been quite an experience for me to watch this character affect so many people, all over the world because I have traveled around the world and when they know that I have something to do with MacGyver, you just watch their faces and they love this character. I mean, they're impressed by Rambo, they love James Bond, but but they don't feel about those characters the way they feel about MacGyver for some reason. Maybe he's, because there's something sort of, Every man about MacGyver, and yeah. anybody can be MacGyver in a way.
2: Lee, last quick thing of, uh, for you: My son uh, studied the great books in, this, uh, in college, and I understand you did that too uh, at St. John's. Uh, what are your thoughts on the role of education? How that affected your the career that you've had?
5: Well, one of the extraordinary things about the Great Books program that I went to is is that. It it teaches you not so much what the right answers are, but how to ask the right questions Hmm. and and how to think outside of the box. Okay, as opposed to, look, this is how everybody else has thought over the centuries. But but what developed that was somebody going. Yeah, but what if you thought about it this way? And that's where all the great books sort of developed from, looking at things very differently. And I would say that that education allowed me to create something like MacGyver, which is what if we have an action-adventure hero and he doesn't have a gun? What would happen then? And that was really, on some level, the genesis for the character. And I think one of the reasons uh, MacGyver has become so popular. I love that. I love
2: that. That's a great explanation. Yeah. Lee and Peter, thank you so much for taking time and congratulations on uh, MacGyver, the musical, the soundtrack. And we're looking forward to giving a listen and playing for our listeners, too.
5: Super. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Thanks, God, Tim. God bless Thanks. you both. Have a great rest of your day. You too.
2: That's Lee's Lotoff, original 80s MacGyver TV series creator, and Peter Lurie who is the composer, songwriter, lyricist, Magic School Bus. We played a little bit at the beginning there, the theme song, and wrote the new MacGyver theme song that's in the musical, MacGyver the Musical, which came out last year. There's now a soundtrack for that that comes out tomorrow. I'm just thinking we have just enough time to play that new uh, that new MacGyver theme that has the words. So let's put it on here for you. Tim DeMoss Show, WFIL. WFIL. <laughs> new MacGyver theme song found on the MacGyver the musical soundtrack written by Peter Lurie who's best known for his work with the Magic School Bus but also other things like Peter Rabbit and a number of things with Disney and uh, he's, he's collaborated with Lee Zlotoff the original MacGyver 80s uh, show creator for the musical and the soundtrack so that releases tomorrow the musical part of it that's a taste of it the lead track Wow. So it's fun. Fun show today. Quick break. We'll wrap things up in just a moment. Thank you for
1: listening today. Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.
2: Coming down the final minute of our program today, Scott Wilder from Preborn joined us and talked about the importance of helping out with the ultrasounds that we are trying to provide
0: giving
3: someone the truth uh, at the single most important time you give a woman the truth about this at a time when she's not pregnant or maybe she's uh, well into her mature years and she can say yes that's truth and that's that's really important i'm glad to have that truth that, that is a baby and not a, not unviable tissue mass but when you give that truth at the single most vulnerable time um, it is so valuable it's so needed and to do it with no judgment to
0: do it with love introduce her to her baby the statistics are remarkable overwhelmingly
3: girls and women will choose life if they have the chance to see their baby and hear their baby's heartbeat.
2: To help out, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. Each potentially life-saving ultrasound is $28. You can also help out on our homepage at WFIL.com. Thanks and have a great night.